millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Getting married, saving for a house, maybe you're saving to upgrade the house, saving for a fluffy friend, wondering where to live, what to invest in. Far out, we live busy lives, busy with work, busy with leisure, busy with kids for some of you, and busy knocking over the full season of 1883 within a week. FYI, loved it. There is more choice than ever before. There is also more upside in our lives than ever before. And if we want to get at something and grab it by the horns, we can. It's hard to know what to save for first. Should we set up multiple accounts and save concurrently or knock down one goal and then move on? The amazing thing about personal finance is that it's personal. Helping you find a system, a method, a style or a vibe that works for you. Now that's what we are here to do. There's some questions in today's episode that touch on prioritizing. And if I'm being honest, I have no idea. But we are here and we're going to chat about it with you. As you know, TAL is our show partner for the Tuesday show. That's T-A-L. Now, if something goes wrong with your health, TAL's job is to make things simpler for you in a way that you can cover things like kids' education, keeping up with your mortgage repayments, or even just paying out the mortgage, or to rehab to get you back on track sooner. And just on this sidebar, guys, like it's all well and good to have all these goals and all this choice, but if the crap hits the fan and you don't have an income anymore or, you know, you're going to be up the creek anyway. Anyway, back onto the script. So search TAL, that's T-A-L online, or speak to your financial advisor today about how TAL can help you and your family. If you need a financial advisor, you can head over to sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. My name's Glenn James and you're listening to My Millennial Money. John Pigeon, My Millennial Property, welcome back to My Millennial Money Podcast. My pleasure. I saw a couple of weeks ago you did a bit of a takeover with Dev Raga from My Millennial Medical. I did. My Millennial Money Medical, that is. Yes. Um, Great feedback on that. Let's get straight into this. Annika asks, how to do your due diligence and not get caught up with dodgy companies, investors, Bitcoin, etc. You're the property guy. Mm. Property is, I don't know, it's wild because it is. property is not a financial product. No. I jokingly tell people uh, in terms of property, I may as well be talking about a set of steak knives because they're in the same basket. You know, property, steak knives, it's not a financial product, mm. which means there's a lot of stuff that goes on in that industry that can attract a certain type of person. It can attract a whole heap of cloak, dagger, closed door, backroom, you know, kickbacks, non-disclosure, unregulated. How do people do their due diligence when looking uh, for, and probably it's more of a number one, uh, wanting to buy a block of land and have a builder build that. And maybe number two, uh, property investing people like, because you're a property coach, I would want to basically say as well, someone needs to do their due diligence on you Mm. before they engage your services. So do you want to talk about that? And then I'll swing around and have a chat about some other stuff. Yeah. So I think there's, you've just got to be continually asking questions, don't you? And the right questions. So, okay, how do we get paid? Uh, What's the fee structure? Um, What's the journey going to look like if I was to come on board with you? Um, And as you mentioned, it, it is not a financial product. So, uh, the, the qualifications are wide and varied and, um, and the scrutiny is not on 
uh, buyers agents or or property coaches as such as uh, as much as there is um, with with shares and super. So. I think transparency is number one. So if if, uh, if you're talking to someone and they're clearly not answering the question or hiding, perceivably hiding something, then that's an alarm bell. But I, I would be looking at maybe uh, talking to people who have used that particular person or company um, and also getting a, a gut feel of who you're going to be dealing with on the ground. Is it going to be this person or is it going to be down the ladder of uh, of someone else that's going to be going on the journey with you, which is quite different experience to what you perceive the company to be um, to be taking you through. So, yeah, transparency number one, writing the or asking the right questions. And I think, like when I first started out, I I went to a lot of as an investor that is, I went to a lot of uh, free information sessions, right, which built a um, I suppose a library of knowledge for me. So don't go to those sessions and rush to the back of the room and, and buy the, the, the first thing that comes on sale. I think it's just spending that time, and I call it the pre-season, to go and sit in the room, absorb the information, um, don't have to ask questions, just take it on board what's happening in that room and, and everyone's got an angle and everyone's got something that they want to sell or whether it be a service or a product. So I think it's understanding that if you do that enough, you start to go in with eyes wide open about what you actually need and what's missing from your kit bag to enable you to move forward in the space of property investing. Yeah, some good stuff there. I think this is, it's a thing about general due diligence uh, with your life. I mean, I see this somewhat around the same, how do I do my due diligence when I want to find a new hairdresser? How do I do my due diligence when I want to find a new car mechanic? And I think the whole difference as well is, it's so funny, like, you know, when... um, you're in the shopping center and or out in the street mall or something, you walk along and the people approach you and try and yes. sell you something, whether yes. it's a, a charity donation, a skin product, an investment scheme, mm. a, um, a better deal on your home energy when they knock on your door. For me, number one rule in my life, I will be active to engage that service when I'm ready, number one. Yeah. Like just because you've approached me yeah. and it sounds good, thank you yeah. for coming to my door and trying to sign me up to this energy campaign. Yes. But I'm not doing that right now on the spot, number one. But it could get me thinking, well, maybe I should review my own energy Correct. on my own terms. Yeah. So that's kind of a broad thing that I look at in my life. Just because you get an ad on this very podcast even, that is about an investing product, a mortgage product, bloody an Officeworks ream of paper, a Telstra bloody um, phone plan, any type of ads, I would always encourage you to have a healthy level of skepticism and just go, okay, that's prompted me to do something. Let me now look at that issue and sure, I might throw that company in the mix anyway. That's right. And so there was this company... Oh. These door knockers, and I use the energy thing. It's like red energy or something like that. They were like knocked on my door, tried to um, sell me red energy. And I'm like, hey, number one, I'm busy trying to record a bloody podcast with John. Number two, I'm not in the zone to review my energy. But then what I did was I went back to my current energy provider and was like, okay, well, what do you charge? And let's just compare it against red anyway. Yeah. And if red is better for me at the time, well, I'll go and sign up with them. So I think number one I'm saying is we need to do this stuff on our own terms. Yeah. And just, and it's sometimes harder. Like uh, my cousin Carly, shout out Carly uh, and whatever, at me, Carly and Matt. But apparently, Matt, her husband, is. And he is, he's like the most gentle, sweet guy in the world who can't say no to any door knocker. <laughs> so he'll have 15 charities he's donating for that he wouldn't otherwise have done that. No. So there is that personality play 
where we need to be aware of our own personality. Can't say no. Can't say no. So, there is that as well. So, my first due diligence thing is when you're being approached by stuff and you're looking at different, um, whether it's companies to work with, whether it's um, accountants, mechanics, Bitcoin deals, investment companies, everything in the world, number one, did you actively approach to do your own vibe check or did they come in hot at you? Yeah, that's good too. So that's um, the first one. Uh, Obviously, Google's our best friend. I often Google Glenn James and I shared it on my own Instagram stories. uh, I did say that. The other week and (laughs) one of the the common things people search for was like Glenn James book, Glenn James my millennial money, Glenn James um, age, Glenn James net worth, Glenn James AstraZeneca. (laughs) 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 You were pretty vocal in that space. Um, but yeah, so Google's our friend, um, a trusted source. Mm. So for like financial professionals, you know, mortgage brokers, accountants, lawyers, uh, financial advisors, uh, the sortyourmoneyout.com website is a trusted source mm. because I know that the companies and the people that I refer you to aren't individually sharks. Yeah, it's been vetted. Sure. We get the odd case where things slip through the cracks and- Humanity happens yeah. and if there is any issues, at least there is some accountability that um, if I find out, I'll let the person know that there's been an issue and they're big enough to sort it out in good yeah. faith and all that. So, that is one way to get a trusted source. Yeah. And if we get any payment from that, it's disclosed to you and, you know, we got nothing to hide here. Mm. So, that's probably one thing as well, a high level of transparency when you're looking at uh, different things. Yep. Now, I will just, uh, in wrapping up this question, because it's a good one to Mm. kind of camp on, you might follow My Millennial Money. You might follow John Pigeon, personal finance guru. You might follow something. My question is to you, where are they pointing you to? And for me personally... I always want to point you towards the concepts. I always want to point you to the principles. I always want to point you to a place where you're educated to make your own decision. We live in a conflicted world. We will have ads on the podcast, but I would hope I've vetted those companies enough that I'm okay with those ads to be there. So this is the the dance, right? I want to educate you enough to make your own decision. We need money to pay the, the bills and the the payroll of five staff and a heap of contractors. So it's just one of those things. Not everything's for everyone, but if you do hear an ad on the podcast, maybe it is a company that you can throw in the mix. You know, Tal, they're a sponsor of the Tuesday show. Mm. Maybe you throw Tal in the mix, ask your advisor about it. We're not dogmatic to say everyone who's ever got insurance in the world needs to have Tal. No, Tau, for example, being the show partner, they're a quality Australian product. They pay claims. They've partnered with us. They can advertise. I'm not mad if someone gets a Tau policy mm. and I'm not mad if someone doesn't. Yeah. And I think there'd be a concern as a consumer if you didn't have sponsors on the show, but you ran five staff. It's like, well, where, where's the income coming from here? Yeah. Again, coming back to that transparency piece. And that healthy level of scepticism. Mm. One thing I would add to that is I always use the 24-hour rule. So if I'm really bullish about something, give it a day. And if I'm still as bullish, then great, we maybe pull the trigger on something. But don't, as I said before, rush to the back of the room, sign up now, and all of a sudden turn around and think, oh, okay, 11th hour blues, I I can't pull out now and I'm committed to this. Yeah. And a couple of weeks ago, like, ASIC did clarify a whole heap of stuff with influencers and all that stuff. I mean, in terms of uh, financial advisors, there's a financial advisor register. So every uh, person who's a financial advisor um, is on the ASIC Money Smart register. So I, there's no harm in asking the question to a professional. 
One thing I wanted to just say, and I was going to do an express podcast about this, but I saw this question and I thought it's good. There's this book. Have you ever seen it? No. It's called The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. Now, basically, everyone froths over Warren Buffett and all that stuff, but Benjamin Graham was one of the lecturers of Warren Buffett. Right. So, Warren Buffett, everything he spews out is basically based on Benjamin Graham. Now, I bought this book. You can see how thick it is. It is thick. <laughs> like it's, it's thick. Um, but, and to be honest, if you want to learn about investing, this book might be a bit too dense. Heavy. Um, I'm not, it's so intense. I'm not actually interested in, you know, sitting down and reading it all because it's just, it's actually, it's full on geek out. But there's a, a section here, words of warning. And this is a good one. Uh, the need for due diligence doesn't stop once you hire an advisor, but we can, you know, this was, I think, written, let me see. Uh, do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> the Intelligent Investor, copyright 1973. So, Benjamin Graham, 1894 to 1976. So, there's some old school principles. Yeah. So, it says the need for due diligence doesn't stop once you hire an advisor. I just think... This is American and they've spelt advisor with an ER where advisor Australian is more. Oh. Um, no, no, advisor American is more OR, advisor Australian is more ER, but whatever. Um, so, this can apply to social media as well, these concepts. So, if you hear some of these words, put your bloody red flags up, all right? Offshore, the opportunity of a lifetime. This baby's going to move, guaranteed. You need to hurry. It's a sure thing. <laughs> Uh, don't you want to be rich? <laughs> um, exclusive. The upside is huge. There's no downside. I'm putting my mother in it. <laughs> Actually, I. Yeah, good. that's kind of weird though. Like I have invested in the same stuff my mother has been in, but whatever. Um, it's like, trust me. Um, anyway, we can cap your downside. Like, so there's just these big buzzwords, yeah. right? Um, Haven't changed in 50 years nah, since so, they wrote that. So, yeah, just where are, where are they pointing you to? Um, mm. And if there's any type of high-pressure sales or vibes and, yeah, just tell them get stuffed. Yeah. And that's, I guess, one thing, John, like all the advisors, the mortgage brokers, the accountants, the lawyers – the butchers, the bakers, the candlestick makers that I refer people to, there is no high pressure sales stuff. No. The moment there is, you people need to let me know so I can get my little Nip it. spanking mm. wand out and do some spanking because it's just, no, don't high pressure people, just educate them enough. Anyway, ranting. Question here, Damien Lewis. I'm self-employed. Uh, he's a locum, single, 28 no clear plans for life regarding where I want to live. At this stage, happy to be single, but want to be able to retire early, have a significant amount saved, but miss the housing boom and is hesitant about chucking a large portion in ETFs or similar. So what's Damien doing? Well, well done, Damien. You've saved a chunk, so you've got some good habits going on there and you're single. Uh, which is, that's okay, I suppose, at 28. But I would say he's he said that he's missed the housing boom. Um, does that mean that if he put his money in property, it, it won't grow again? Um, no, it doesn't. But So I wouldn't rule that out, but he's basically saying, well, I am for the moment because I've missed two, three, four hundred grand of potential growth that I would have had if I bought five or six years ago. Um, so we've got to be really careful that we're not thinking uh, too short term here and we're looking at a longer wealth plan as opposed to just tomorrow. Um, so my, my question would be if he's hesitant about putting a large portion in ETFs or, or similar, what is he comfortable with? Um, like on a risk level, that sits down the lower end of risk um, when it comes to to investing. So, uh, other than cash in the bank, it's uh, it's term deposit. If it's not going to be property or ETFs, and um, from a risk level, what do you think? I love reading these 
questions because I just look straight through it. No clear plans for life regarding where I want to live and at this stage happy. I would probably take Damien on a, we need some solid goals in your life. And because I honestly think once we nail our goals with what we want to achieve, the other stuff can fall into place. And I'm not really, I'm talking a bit, you know, philosophical here, but he wants to be able to retire early and you're a self-employed local pharmacist. I mean, retire now and work three days a week. Yeah. Well, what, what defines retirement? That's right. So my kind of challenge to Damien would be, what do you want to do? So if money wasn't a thing and you didn't have to work in the pharmacy, and be a locum pharmacist traveling around, what would you do with your time? So my challenge would be find out that answer now and engineer your life around that now. And sure, you need to put food on your table at the moment because you don't have a big chunk to just draw down and replace your income. So find out what makes you tick. What would you do if you didn't need money? You're in the best position ever being a locum pharmacist. You could be a a nomad. You could travel around your state and you can do whatever you want. You're in a really good position. And as John said, work on your risk profile and just really work out what you want to do. And if in doubt, you don't do anything until you've resolved to the point. And I think if you haven't, Damien, go back to last week's episode and have a listen to the analysis paralysis because there could be some stuff in there that you might want to dig up, but I just think it's a it's a really good question and a lot of us face this. And my question to anyone listening would be, if you didn't need money, what would you be doing? Mm. If I didn't need any money, I would still be doing this podcast. Same. But do you think- I'd probably still generate money from it because <laughs> if you're a brand and want to come on my podcast, you can pay me. <laughs> oh, you're an entrepreneur. Um, do, do you think- and this is no disrespect by any means, but do you think that um, the last through probably two or three years uh, where we've seen if we bought shares maybe at the start of when COVID hit, um, they've gone pretty well since. Property has done the same thing in the last two to three years. We've seen these huge gains in a lot of these asset classes in a, such a short period of time. For especially more for younger people because that may be all that they've experienced. Um, so that's now the new norm and the new expectation. And and I just thought of that when he said, oh, the, the housing boom I've missed. So does that rule out that asset class forever and a day? Um, uh, just what, what are your thoughts on that? Like I just think we, we've created a new expectation now that's double-digit returns per annum or nothing. Yeah, I reckon if you're under 30 or even 35, and to be honest, someone like me, um, who is in his mid to late 30s, um, <laughs> I'm in that range, we really haven't seen any hard times for a long and prolonged period. Uh, we haven't seen interest rates at 18%. Well, there's a million people right now that haven't seen an interest rate rise. Yeah. A million. Yeah. So what I would say to that is winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> what if you like winter? <laughs> I love bloody winter. Um, I don't know what your question was, John, but- It wasn't a question. It was all just I'm your thoughts is, on, well, yeah. there's a new expectation now because we've seen such um, fantastic returns. Yeah, and if you've been a part of that, great. Yeah. It's a false expectation of what's yeah, happening Yeah, it's a window of time. And, that, and that's it. Like, you know, I, I used to tell clients, John, like we'll do their annual review and it's like, oh, see your share portfolio here. Yeah, over the last three- Three years, over the last 12 months, it's done 13%, it's done 20%. You're going to come, it's about setting realistic expectations. I said to them, you're going to come back here one day and guess what? This exact report for a moment in time, snapshot, because life is a, a movie, it's not a still photo, this may say 1%, this may say minus 5%. 
So we just have to really understand. And sometimes, you know, with the um, COVID crunch and all that stuff and uh, with what's going on with geopolitical vibes around the world, sometimes it's the, the wake-up call that we need to know that it's not always sunflowers, rainbows and unicorns with our investing. But going back to Damien, missing the housing boom, well, you, you just, it, if you want to buy a house to live in and you're a locum pharmacist, well, let's find a suburb that you want to live in and let's put a goal together to make that happen. Because mm. you're going to pay rent wherever you live. So if you want to play that lifestyle card and buy a house to live in, same type of area, be locum in that area, well, let's get a plan in place and let's go kill it. Yeah. But if you want to be a nomad and travel around regionally and all that, well, it means you've missed the housing boom as an investment property. Well, we need to uncouple that thought of buying where I'm living and working right now. But like as I I had a clarity call with someone this morning who's Mm -hmm. uh, just turned 50 and Mm -hmm. they've got 15 years to retirement and the last 10 years, one of their properties had averaged 30 grand a year of growth when averaged out. Regardless of when the growth was, the average was 30 grand. Mm. To them, because of what's happened in the last couple of years, they want to sell because that wasn't performance in their eyes. Yeah. Right? yeah. So there's a new norm now has crept into their life. I'm mm. saying, hang on a minute, you're going to retire soon this will be a cash cow for you in retirement. Why, why are you going to get rid of it? So, mm. yeah, interesting. I don't know, Damien, we're here to make things harder, clearly. So. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Damien, reach out. You know, you cashed up. If you want, reach out to John and do a clarity call. It will cost you, but it might be the clarity you need. Or he's just humouring us with uh, yeah. a question. Yeah, that's right. He's like, oh, no, I'm actually married and own my house. I'm <laughs> yeah, just like right. hypothetical. <laughs> uh, what's up next, John? Greg Smith, this one's right up your alley. Oh, Index gosh. funds through CFS versus direct buy-through Vanguard or similar. Yeah, so index investing. Um, I think it's important uh, with any of this stuff when we talk about education is to first understand the concepts and how the world works. And Greg, if you have not, and this is a shameless plug, thank you to everyone who has bought the book. If you have not bought my book, Sort Your Money Out and Get Invested, chapter five and six will absolutely nail this question. Uh, If you don't want to buy the book and you don't like reading, I'll explain it now quickly, but in the book, there'll be graphs and like further examples. So, Let's go. Index funds through Colonial First State. So, Colonial First State is a fund manager. Uh, it was fully owned by CBA. I think they've sold half of it off now and they're looking to sell the rest of it because banks are getting out of wealth and all that stuff. Um, they're a fund manager in Australia. Now, they have a platform, uh, which I believe is First Choice is the name of the platform. And on that platform, you can rock up there. They've also got a super platform, First Choice Super. Now, on that super and investment platform, there's a variety of different um, options. Now, one of those options on their platforms in Colonial First State is their own indexed funds. Like anything, on their platforms, um, there could be different fund managers that aren't Colonial First State because it is a platform that um, have different variety of fund managers and investment styles. They'll have pre-made portfolios which some might be actively managed with portions to international shares, Australian shares, some defensive assets, property. Um, So yeah, they'll have pre-made portfolios. They may have pre-made, and I haven't looked uh, in some time because I believe it or not, John, I can't look at every product and look at every uh, PDS. Hard to keep up. Yep. Um, They might have some pre-made index portfolios, but let's, let's drill it right down to an example. Colonial First State may have an index fund called the Australian ASX 200 Index Fund. So we know with index funds that conceptually we put $1,000 into an index fund and the underlying investment is weighted as per the top 200 companies within the index. So if I buy an ASX 200 index through Colonial First State, or 
through glenjamesinvestmentcompany.com, broadly speaking, the underlying assets are the same. Vanguard on the Australian side is a little bit different because they do a top 300 Australian equities. Uh, and I'm not sure why, maybe it is a, a competitive advantage thing or something like that. I'll ask them soon, uh, doing an interview with them. Um, but it's important to understand these concepts that when you pay a fund manager, you're paying them to manage the money. And this is why index investing is quote unquote low cost because the algorithms and the computers are doing the investing as per the weighting of the index. And every say three months, they may rebalance. So when um, Afterpay left the index or something like that, there would be a rebalance, it would be lagged and whatnot. Now, in terms of Colonial First State, their index and their investing, um, I guess one of their fund managers is First Centia Investors, and they've got a investment product called Real Index Investments. Um, First Centia First Centia Investors are actually, I believe they're owned by Colonial First State. Let's just double check. I guess what I'm getting at is if you understand how an index fund works and what index uh, they're tracking, you wouldn't necessarily care too much about who the fund manager is. And if the shoe fits and you like Colonial First State because you like their platform and you also like how um, you log in and use their stuff and you're just happy for a low-cost AESX 200, well, realistically, the same underlying assets are there anyway. And that's the same with if you compared it to a, a beta shares ETF, ASX 200. Uh, and this is where the competitive advantage comes in with their technology, their scale, and the rest kind of is history. But yeah, first, Sentia Investors, formerly known as Colonial First State Global Asset Management in Australia and First State Investments Elsewhere is a global asset management businesses that manages, and then it goes on, uh, $251 billion, uh, headquarters in Sydney, um, parent organisations, CBA, Mitsubishi, UFJ Trust and Banking Corporation. So, yeah, does that kind of make sense to you, John? Yeah, what you're saying is that there's a hell of a lot out there and there's a lot of choice and that's probably where Greg's coming from is like, well, what do I do? Where am I going to put this? Um, and uh, tell you something for nothing, mm. Colonial First State was actually where I parked my first $1,000 to, uh, to manage money uh, through university. Um, there you go. That's uh, not relevant to Greg but... Uh, they've been around a while, probably, than mm. what tells him. But yeah, look, uh, go with your gut. Yeah, so if we double down one step further and you might say, well, Glenn, yeah, I get that. But I want an index investment to companies that just invest in hydrogen and the hydrogen industry more so. Well, that fund manager first sent to your investors they may not make an index and create a shell for you to put money in where uh, a company down the road may actually make that index as a fund manager. Okay, so without going too deep. Yeah, we can go deep, whatever. A direct buy through Vanguard. Mm-hmm. What are the positives of, of going there versus an index fund through Colonial? Okay, so there's a couple of things going on here. Vanguard uh, provide ETFs that you can buy through your share broker, okay, with no platform. Or you can set up a Vanguard platform, Vanguard Personal Investor. And if you want to know how these platforms work, we'll put a link in the show notes. I've done a YouTube tutorial on the concepts of a platform with Vanguard Personal Investor. If we have a look at the pros and cons, well, firstly, I don't think you can access the CFS funds off their platform unless you're a wholesale investor, I think. So I don't think, well, actually, I'm quite confident, there's not a CFS um, index ETF that you can buy. Right. So if you really want to, if you love the CFS platform because they've got a good app and they've got a good login and you like the management team and the culture of the company and all that, 
well, I like them as a company. Okay, now I want to invest in the ASX 200. Yeah, I'm happy with their index. Yeah. And I don't know what the fees are and all that. I haven't looked because I just want to talk concepts. So, yeah, the advantage there is um, if I was investing through CFS, either their their retail uh, investment platform or their super, uh, and we'll leave super aside, their retail platform, we know it's going to be a platform. They're going to do all the accounting and give you a consolidated tax report at the end of the year. Uh, But if we go and buy direct through Vanguard, through our broker, which, you know, there's a million brokers that you can just log in and um, place a trade, you're going to have to keep details of um, the investments and the dividends and whatnot. Fair tax, yeah. Yeah. And so the whole thing I want to get clear with these index funds, the fund managers are just investing as per an index. Um, Technically, if there's an index that various fund managers invest in, so there could be a whole heap, beta shares, um, BlackRock, iShares, Vanguard do the top 300 and then the CFS through their platform, realistically, because it's an A200 index, to a point, it doesn't really matter what brand that you access that. So it's what I'm hearing is it's easy and set and forget. Vanguard, you might have more choices and a bit more flexibility. Well, yes and no. If you invest via your broker direct mm. into the Vanguard ETF, yeah, sorry. you do. Yep. But then again, you can invest on their platform. And, and then that's equivalent to the index fund through CFS. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good thing to discuss. Um, but I suppose, and not knowing Greg, but I suppose he's talking maybe about returns. Yeah, and technically the returns shouldn't matter because if the index is the same. Mm. Um, Doesn't matter which platform it's on. Yeah. 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 All right, good chat. Matty Urquhart, balancing, saving and investing, mid-20s and finding it hard to navigate both. First world problems. Mm. So... Saving short-term, investing long-term, short-term under five years. Okay, we're done. Yeah, I would just say to Matty <laughs> that maybe wants a bit more detail than that, I, I would get my savings to a figure where, well, first of all, we've got emergency funds sorted. I would then get my savings to an amount that I'll say, right, as soon as I meet that figure, I'm now going to carve it off and invest. Mm. And then I start again. And I get to that figure and then I carve it off and invest. So that we've always got that savings amount there that we're comfortable with and then the rest over and above that is going into the longer-term investing. That That's how I would do it yeah. if I was mid-20s, Matty. Yeah, I'd probably just triage it and I'll use an example. If I've got a spare $1,000 per month, and you know, you, you might, you might not, but we'll call it $1,000, Um I would first look at the big rocks, which might be, as you said, John, emergency fund. If you did want to buy a house to live in, that deposit could be your next big rock. Um, so I'd be allocating all my cash to the emergency fund first, but before that, getting out of any consumer debt. Then I would be allocating all my cash to uh, a first home deposit, if that's something that um, you wanted to buy, first home deposit. Um you know, I'll carve out the first home super saver scheme as savings, not investing at this stage. And then once we've kind of got our big rocks in place and our budget has then settled, um, if we then said, okay, well, I've got $1,000 left over a month from my life, um, we might say, well, you know, I'm in my 20s, I'm young, I'm vibrant, I want my best life uh, and all that stuff. I want to buy experiences, not things. Is, can you? Is someone knocking at my front door? <laughs> um, Check your camera. Yeah, well, nah. Sorry, peeps. Um, yeah, so you want to live your life and buy experiences, not things. Blah blah blah. Well, why wouldn't we say I've got the rocks in place, and these rocks could be anything in your life. And I'm just saying the big rocks because once they're kind of in place, it's almost done-ish. And a big rock for you might be traveling to Europe for six months 
and that big rock requires $10,000. I don't know, whatever that is. So, once we get to that critical mass and we've got our life established and then we have our $1,000 a month left over, we might say, as a general rule of thumb, um, I'm just now investing $200 a month into a share portfolio or uh, my next investing goal is a investment property. Now, that will need possibly some capital. So, we're not going to invest into markets if we think we can save another deposit within a couple of years. So, there's no right here, Maddie, and that's what I just want to really encourage you to maybe get a pen and paper like I've done uh, while I've uh, drawn this example, draw some big rocks and just triage the goals. Now, this is just the way that my brain thinks. So, if, if I've got my rocks in place and then I've got my surplus left, I might say, yep, I'll just commit $200 a month, $500 a month to my long-term share portfolio. And that other $500 a month, I'm just going to be cash heavy as an opportunity fund. Or if I want to have another short-term goal of another trip around the world, saving for a new car or anything like that. So, yeah. And 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 there there will be some financial commentators that just go, all right, we'll just put the whole grand a month in the investing account. Yeah. Well, well, rounding that out, it's got to be a balance. You can't do both or or you... You always want to do more, don't mm. you? And always have that feeling of if I had this extra amount, I could do this with it. But I think we're both on the same page in the sense that if we've got a big rock, as you call it, that we want to achieve in the next couple of years, if that's a, a family home or an investment property or something that's a larger chunk, we don't want to go and put it into an investment and rely on those returns to then get us that rock. Mm. Well, it's late in the episode, but we'll pay the bills now, so we'll be right back after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click Get Help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click Get Help. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, we're back. And this is our new segment where we ask the Facebook group, that's you, everyone who listens and who's in the Facebook group, a question about your life and your money and anything else that we think is fun. This week, we're talking about your best tips for investing slash saving for children and family. Did I give you that? (laughs) Yes. So, do you want to read some of those out? Yes, yes, yes. I enjoyed these comments when I read them this morning. Elizabeth is Johannesson. I didn't plan for kids. Wish I had. Same as me. Um, But at the same time, if I sat down and planned everything, I probably wouldn't have had them. Same as me. 
My advice would be that it goes in seasons. You probably won't be saving slash investing heavily when you have kids in the beginning due to drop in wage, loss of income, daycare costs, etc. But it's just a season in your life. I like that. Can go back to the new normal once they are a little bit bigger. That's a good one. Uh, Ali Donnelly. Have six months of expenses saved ready for when your wage drops slash stops completely, keeping my financial independence when having my kids saved me. That's a good one. I like that. This bloke is a, a regular listener, Dev Raga. Regular freaking pest in the Facebook group. <laughs> when we, when I, it is, I laughed when I read this. So. Yeah. When we pass McDonald's, I frequently say, kids, important to own McDonald's, not just have McDonald's. <laughs> That's a, you know, if you were five years old and your dad was drumming that into you or your mum or whoever, your avatar that's some guy who looks like he's got googly eyes. Yes. Imagine the impact of that. Yeah. And and when I try to get too technical with my kids with financial advice, uh, I do get blank looks occasionally. So to all the parents out there, we just need to keep reinforcing different concepts because it does take a while for them to (laughs) come around to understanding what that actually is. So when you ask them, do you actually know what I mean? Normally the answer is no. Mm. Scott Beasley, let your kids make financial mistakes when they are young. Better they make a mistake by wasting $30 on some stupid toy as a kid than $30,000 on some stupid toy as an adult. Uh, I take offence to that, Scott. I've wasted lots of... (laughs) Money on lots of awesome toys, but you're right. Uh, it's a very good, very uh, good point. Anna Scott. Louise said, "Be the example." James Brunton said, "About to invest a few shillings for each into shares via superhero confirmation podcast ads work." Oh, there you go. <laughs> I see. I read this crap on the spot. So, um, anyway, let's uh, let's bump out into the rest of the show. Okay, quickly, some housekeeping things. Just continue to think about ways you can financially help people in northern New South Wales. Uh, We've donated to uh, the Red Cross. I'm sure there's heaps of local stuff on the ground. Be cautious of GoFundMe stuff because you just want to make sure that, um, yeah, things are right. Uh, Continue to think how you can donate money to uh, Ukraine um, or any other places doing it tough in the world. Uh, We've donated to UNICEF and if in doubt, just look on these donation websites for the options that like where it matters most so they can just decide. Uh, the How to Get Out of Debt module is now free on education.mymillennial.money. So if you're new to the podcast, firstly, welcome and apologies. Um, you can learn how to get out of debt. No For cost. Free. Online course, How to Get Out of Debt. That module, I think there's a couple of videos there. I will absolutely upsell you into the main course. <laughs> this, is my, this is my little... Uh, Welcome. But at least they're out of debt. That's right. (laughs) Um, And John, we are actually running out of time, but I'll go there anyway. Can you just, actually, we'll save your financial planning story till next week. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. And we'll save your uh, information about the, what would you call a training package that you're about to embark on with um, people who want to learn to be a buyer's advocate? Yes, very excited about that. So we'll save it for next week, but give us a one or two headline. Oh, look, I had someone reach out to me a couple of months ago saying, where do I go? What do I do? How would you do it? What did you do when you first started? Um, In that whole property coaching, I love educating people. I think I've got a bit of knowledge there, but I want to impart on other people. How do I go about that? So uh, we've designed a uh, a 12-month program for people that want to get into that financial education through property, whether that be a buyer's agent or property coaching as such. So, uh, yeah, more details to come. Cool. And you'll have to apply for that training course. Yes, yep. maximum. At this stage, uh, we're taking 10. Yeah. So, if you want to get in first and you want some details, uh, jump into John's DM or something. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Um Okay, there was another comment uh, here. Shauna Round just mentioned Indigenous financial literacy. I just want to say, um, 
We actually support the First Nations Foundation here at My Millennial Money, and they do a lot on the ground in this. And from my talking with the foundation, and we've had the CEO on the podcast before, it really helps for them to be on the ground uh, in those areas with um, people who understand the culture and all that stuff. And I will say My Millennial Money, it is a podcast for every Australian. It's a podcast for every person if you're living overseas. And hey, if you, this I was thinking about this the other day, peeps. If you live in America and you're not Australian and you listen to our podcast and you're just a run-of-the-mill dude or gal like me or whatever, just let us know in the, I don't know, Instagram inbox or if you're any, any country, I don't care if it's America, there's just America is our third biggest country that we- um, Listeners. Listeners. I just want to know if there's like regular Joe and Janes that listen to this show- and they're not an expat. Just curious. Uh, but anyway, back to that. We do this podcast for everyone. And when I was on the UNICEF website, just looking around at um, the appeals and whatnot, they've actually got um, a program and I'll just read it from their website. Children enrolled in at least one year of pre-primary education are most likely to develop the crucial skills they need to succeed in school and less likely to repeat grades or drop out. However, across Australia, limited access to early childhood education is leaving some kids behind, especially Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children. In 2018, only 86% of Indigenous four-year-olds were enrolled in early childhood education, compared with 91% of non-Indigenous children, according to the 2020 Closing the Gap report. To help this, UNICEF Australia partnered with Moriarty Foundation to expand their acclaimed early childhood education program. Indie Kindy gives children in remote communities under the age of five the best start to life by integrating education, health and well-being. So, I just want to say that like if you want to help and, you know, partner with Indigenous financial literacy, um, I'm more than happy to you know, speak to anyone that's working in that space to come on the show and have a, an episode with us. Um, if you want to, because I, and I read that, John, because the biggest thing that we need to do first for the next generation is education. Totally. Yep. And that's, let's, a, that's let's an alarming get, stat. Let's get any kid in Australia in school. Let's get them educated. Yeah. Let's, you know, give them the best shot. Then we can... Um, turn it up to financial literacy. I don't know. I, it's, and, and again, this stuff is kind of beyond the scope of Glenn James as a an entity, but that's why I just wanted to say that we do partner with financially with uh, yeah. First Nations Foundation. And, and, and I think the whole financial literacy is uh, a lot of it's uh, like schooling is the box and dice. So, like that's where we go to, to ground ourselves for, from an um, education point of view. But it uh, it it does start at home or the people that we're surrounded by. So that that's a big one, isn't it? Is really trying to get your kids surrounded by the right people. Yeah. So, and and UNICEF like they're one of the charities that have got a very high uh, benchmark. I think it's over ninety percent. It's on their website. You can check it out. Uh, that the money goes direct on the ground, like their admin expenses um, percentage is quite low. Oh, that is. Uh, yeah. All right, we've got to wrap it up uh, because I do want a quick after party with you because I've got to ask you some hard-hitting questions. And apologies, this is actually a very long Tuesday show. There's three questions here. What one do you want to answer? I'll quickly answer the last one. Sheree McKean says, how do you save for a wedding and a house build at the same time? Pretty hard and slowly, I guess. Uh, All savings into one bank account or two separate savings accounts. Look, me personally... It does come back to uh, we can't have it all all of the time. So, there may need to be some triaging of goals. There may need to be a scaling down of the wedding or scaling down of the house build. Uh, resources are finite. Um, it's a good problem to have that you're in love <laughs> and about to build a house. Um, so, yeah, just whatever works. I mean, me personally, I've said this before, I'm a one goal, save, hit it, move on to the next one. One pers- dog, one bone. Yeah. I'm personally, I'm not a two dog, two bone <laughs> type of guy. 
Um, or one dog, two bones. All that. Um, and do you want to have a quick last rant of a, one of those last questions yeah, there, Yeah, Tamika, Kate, building wealth while working casual jobs if you are studying a long degree for many years. So, yeah, look, by I'm going to hypothesize here and say the long degree will give you some good income out the other side. And if it doesn't, what are we doing it for? Um, I think it's a phase of your life where it's going to enable you to earn good money eventually. And there's there's a, a portion and someone used the word chapter, I think. It's a chapter of your life where you say, well, what's my outcome? Is it lifestyle? Is it education? Is it finances? Is it health? Is it um, my mental state? Like just um, pin your pin your goals there and say, well, by the time I get out of that long degree, I've got X amount in the bank or I've invested in a certain amount of um, of asset classes. So I, I don't think you can get too stressed about that, depending on how long the degree is, of course, but really just be comfortable in the fact that your priority now is your education and getting that degree happening or, or completed. The building wealth thing, we just maybe park a little. Cool. I wasn't listening. I was reading my emails, but I trust you gave some good wisdom there, John. People kind of, I reckon they freak out when, like I say, I wasn't listening because like, it's rude. You <laughs> but this is the whole thing, right? I've got complete confidence in what you say. Well, that's, it's a back end, the compliment really. Totally yeah. is. I, I mm. trust what you just said. Yeah. But for the, list, for the listeners, if I'm not listening, like all You get in trouble. Leave. Absolutely. Although, come on, be honest, you weren't listening when I went on that index fund rant because when I said to you, that makes sense, doesn't it? You're like, yeah. Yeah. And then you thought of a question to ask me. No, nice. I did. I had that because I'm thought it. This guy's rambling here. Let's yeah. just round this out with a question. All right, friends. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. All right, I need to ask you a couple of questions, John. Right. What is more stressful for you? Two questions. The stress of hearing a ringtone in public that's the same as your alarm tone <laughs> or having to go to a website, get the authenticated code and opening Google Authenticator. Oh, that's a no-brainer. The second one for sure. Really? I hate that. Oh, Wow, that's interesting. I, and and full honesty here, mm -hmm. I wouldn't know what my alarm ringtone is. Yeah, right. Because it's just as soon as I hear it, it's off and I'm out. Right. But yeah, why that second thing annoys me so. I'll much. show you. I'll show you my one. So yours is the first, is it? Absolutely, authenticator. But, please bring it on. Uh, do you? Uh, are you? Pressing snooze five times though. No. No. Probably so you only ten. Have <laughs> <laughs> Here's one of my ringtones, my first alarm. Wow. That's like you get a massage. And then the next one. Um I oh know they were both silk. Uh here's another one that I use. So that could be easily a ringtone. 
like and I don't use my phone as and an then alarm. another one that I use for my alarm is slow rise wow and I kid you not there are people in real life that still have their phone yeah. not on silent so mine just stays on silent 25 8 yeah if it, but do you, do you have it in airplane mode when you're sleeping, or could I ring you at midnight? Um, you could, but it's um, it wouldn't get through. But if you called the next time, it would get through. Right. So it's like when emergency. Dirty Mike. I woke up to a missed call from him at two. Did I tell you about this? No. At two a.m. No. And really crazy story. And I will say there could be a, a warning, and we're going to talk about something that's involves. Um, assault and domestic violence, um, I woke up and not to do with Michael um, or his wife. Yeah, I woke up at like 8 a.m. as you do, right? Um, and No. <laughs> what? No. Yeah, anyway, woke up at 8 a.m., missed call from Mike at 2 a.m. and Michael rents one of my properties. Mm. And I just wrote to him, you dead? Are you like, it's okay? Anyway, he, he went on to say that there was a huge um, domestic um, next door to him. Right. And some guy, the you know, the baby daddy was, yeah. um, is that what they say? Daddy baby or day? Anyway, yeah. the sperm donor in this yeah. instance is like, that was loosely saying the absent father yeah. was like wired up on meth come back like to like banging had a knife all this wild stuff couldn't get in so he went away so mike's called the cops they thought it was all good next minute michael and jolie trying to get back to bed on their front door Uh, it was the um the young woman and her baby uh, trying to come in to escape this like just total craziness and people this stuff goes on and this is why in Australia, there is a discussion that like, it's crazy. Yeah, wow. Um, so, yeah, so he didn't get through. <laughs> but um, I wouldn't wake up anyway. No. Because <laughs> I'm a heavy sleeper. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. It's an interesting one. That, but, n- yeah, I, yeah, I'm one of very few that don't use a phone as an alarm. Yeah, right. Um, and then finally, um, have you watched 1883? No. Have you watched Yellowstone? It's a beer, isn't it? No. Have you watched Yellowstone? No. Okay, get the hell out. You're not welcome anymore. <laughs> you're, not com- you're not coming back on this podcast until you watch at least season one of Yellowstone. Then come talk to me. How long does it go for? There's only four seasons. Like 10 episodes a season, whatever. So I've got to watch 10 episodes yep. of Yellowstone. Yeah, before next week. I'll, hopefully Amy's watched it. I could get a debrief <laughs> from her. It and then the prequel, eighteen eighty three. Oh, John! Why is it so good? It's moving. I've I've discovered emotions and feels <laughs> that I never thought were down wow. there, my friend. Wow! It's um, it's moving. In what way? In every way. <laughs> You're not giving me anything. What the hell's it? Love, about? loss, oh. war. Um. Love, loss. The big topics. Endurance. Endurance. Um, the realness of life. Who's, who's in it of any note? Uh, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, 1883. Um, Sam Ellis, I think, that 77-year-old country star. Like literally the best television I have watched maybe ever. Right. Going out on a limb there. What's it on? Um, Paramount Plus. I bought Paramount Plus, $89 for the year just to watch this. I haven't got Paramount Plus. Oh, I, okay. If you want, I'll give you $90 to watch it, <laughs> but you've got to watch Yellowstone first. No, you don't need to do that. All right. Well, I'll, um, I'll do some research. Mm. Anything else happening in your wild life? <sighs> I don't think life? so. Charity rides coming up in a couple of weeks that you kindly donated to. Oh, is that not done yet? No, I haven't done that yet. So, Slack? Well, <laughs> the date's the date, my friend. So, to get your money target or whatever you were going for? 
Oh, actually, I'm still. I think I'm still three hundred dollars short. So anyone out there that wants to donate before June thirty, write it off on your tax. Hit a guy up. Rideforlily.com.au forward slash John Pigeon or anything like that. That's it. Will that get there? Or? Yeah, don't donate to the other writers. I've got to get my target. But yeah, Kids Cancer, great cause. Mm. Um, tragic story this one was. Um, so They all are, John. They mm. are, yeah. Well, his daughter and then his wife. <sighs> mm. We're in the space of 12 months. Oh, both from cancer? Mm. Oh, yeah, no good. So, oh, um, actually, I actually did read that when I was donating to you. Yeah, like, oh, we just don't realise how lucky we are. Mm. Um, so I'm happy to give the legs a bit of pain for seven days. Yeah, well, I'm glad you are because I'm not. Yeah, we're very different beasts in that we respect. Are. You shell out X amount because that's. The, your way of doing it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you can have my money, you just can't have my body <laughs> because the body's not that good. <laughs> to renovate as delight. I had a weird dream the other night, speaking of my body. What happened? I was at the dentist and they were doing some dental work and um, <laughs> I'd ordered a burger and fries that got delivered to the dentist while I was there and I was eating it between... <laughs> Little <laughs> in between floss and cleaning. I was like, oh, yeah, just put it over on that side tray. <laughs> but I remember offering to the dentist and the assistant um, some fries. If you guys yeah. want some fries, knock yeah. yourself out. I'm not going to eat them all. Oh, you're generous. You are. <laughs> so one thing was correct in the room. Yeah. Okay, bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.